Let's talk about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. That's right. No more excuses. Get your lazy ass off the couch. Go start a podcast. There's the creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone with computer. Once again, no more excuses. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Could it be easier? Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. They're paying us for this ad. Thank you very much, Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. This is The Dime, a 10-minute dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? This is the week of August 13th. This is The Dime. As always, I've got Kellen here with me. This week, we're talking about cannabis and cannabis tolerance. Cannabis has a stigma around it, which is slowly fading away. And as this happens, more people seem inclined to use it. We all know that cannabis has effects to its users in all and different ways. And some people have a higher tolerance than others. Kellen, what are the benefits and the risks associated with recreational users having a tolerance or higher tolerance for cannabis? I don't think there's any benefits really to having a higher tolerance of any drug that someone's ingesting. I compare it to someone drinking alcohol, right? Like, any benefits to having a high tolerance of being able to drink a lot of alcohol? Like I don't see a ton, right? <laughs> right. But there's definitely a lot of downsides to having high tolerances creates bad habits, right? People are going to, they need more cannabis to feel the same effects that they used to feel. So that's definitely a negative thing. And then it kind of falls more into the category where people are going to abuse uh, cannabis from a negative perspective. But those are the only kind of things I can think of as far as, negative side effects associated with it and i don't really know any positive side effects what about you brian i guess when we talk about tolerance i wonder if tolerance is predicated based on the presumed feeling the individuals expecting to feel when they're consuming the the plant so for example if you're anxious and you're looking to calm yourself and you're not feeling calm after consuming cannabis is that considered tolerance or is it just considered maybe the consistency or the components inside the plant? So I I wonder as things evolve, how much the tolerance will be kind of allocated in in one bucket or the other based on the components of the plant. That makes a lot of sense. Kellen, talk to me about this thought process. I'm a new user of cannabis. I know the higher the THC, the more likely I'm going to get higher because when I walk into a dispensary, I'm looking to maximize my purchase. So I walk up to the bud tender in a different world and I tell him, I want the flower that has 25% THC. Does that mean I'm going to get higher? No, not at all. Because there's a significant entourage effect and uh, it's like the very, there is, there's a psychoactive effect associated with the terpenes, right? Because perfect example is I've seen individuals consume just straight THC distillate without any of those other phytochemicals present. And you don't get the same high as you would if you were to smoke a flower. So it doesn't really work like that, but it's a really good marketing ploy that's been developed by the industry. And unfortunately for consumers, people associate quality with numbers When they see a higher number, they think I'm going to get more bang for my buck, but it's just wrong. But I mean, it is what it is at this point. Like that's what sells like potency is king. You know what I mean? 
I think that point is not going to be accentuated enough. I think you could say that over and over again, and I think I'm going to continue to ask you to emphasize that point over and over again, because especially here on the East Coast, uh, I've got buddies down in Florida who are very experienced consuming cannabis, but very inexperienced when it comes to selecting the correct flower for them. And when they walk into a dispensary, all they're interested in is the THC. Give me the one with the highest THC. I don't care about anything else. And I think that shows the the lack of education in the industry for specific users who are looking to the plant for an outlet for specific reasons and are only associating benefits with one component, like you said, is, is not the only component generating the feeling or, or the after effects of the consumption of the plant. So I would look to that statement to be continued to be reiterated and there needs to be a massive education on the fact that this plant is more than just THC. Well, I, I have something to say then. What, what would you, like, how would you then determine to differentiate the, all these different flowers, right? Because that right there is, because a lot of people were like, let's just not test for potency, right? But then how do you really disseminate between something that's like 8% that looks really good and something that's 20% with all those other phytocannabinoids, right? I think that right there is the crux of why potency will always be what sells a product because there's just not a better way to truly tie quality of the flower to a number that humans can comprehend and uh, digest, right? Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I, I think that is what people do. They lean on the fact that number elicits X, right? And I, I think that's a very comforting factor to lean on. And I, I just wonder is, is as the industry evolves and as the experience evolves, if if the questions that come out at first prior to potency questions are more terpene based in taste and in anticipated feel as in luminol or lavender smells, things like that. I wonder if that is, is if it's put in front of the selection process prior to the, the potency in order to help select a certain product. Just my own two cents. No, totally. And I was actually having a conversation with Dr. Abrams of the Dosing Project. And what he is trying to do from a different orientation standpoint is you're totally right. Like terpenes are, I think that's kind of the, the angle I would try to approach. But if you think about it, you can't go out and teach the, the you can try, right? But you can't teach the masses the difference in organic molecules and like super hardcore organic chemistry. Like, like I love the positive idea and being like, we're going to go teach the masses organic chemistry and like how those terpenes interact with receptors in the brain. And maybe eventually I'm wrong, but like the wine industry doesn't approach it like that. And that's the same chemicals that the wine industry is then differentiating themselves. Instead they do it with like floral or earthy or, or fuely. Right. And so that's exactly what Dr. Abrams was doing is he was taking data from cultivars, right. Meaning, cultivars meaning different strains right he's taking these data from different cultivars associated with terpene and tying them to these three categories of earth floral earthy floral and fuely right so like the gassy strains like your sour diesels and so like those three categories i think consumers could potentially get behind but then again it's got to be tied to a number and they have to be able to say like okay, this is the quality i get with these three numbers associated with those aroma scales i guess you know what i mean for yeah. lack of 100%. I, I wanted to say something, but I, I shied away from it. And what I wanted to say 
was that illicit effects, right? If you're looking to get calming or you're looking to be like hungry or sitting on the, like those are the type of things that I know if I would have said to you, we can't correlate scientifically and I wanted to shy away from that. So I try to lightly touch on those things because I think if you position, let's say like a check the boxes, are you looking for X? Are you looking to be calm? Are you looking to sit on your couch? Are you looking to eat Wendy's? And that way, those things then can lead to like a decision tree where the ne- the last one could be 50% THC or like, sorry, uh, like 20% THC, 15% this, and like just a breakdown, like down the line versus being the first selective measure in the separation process. Totally. I think that would be a really good way to approach it. Yeah. And I did have Lindy's yesterday. See, I knew. <laughs> I would have thought I would have thought in and out if we were going to be honest, but I'm sure you had that video. I was in a rush and I couldn't find one. <laughs> it was so, <laughs> I, I was like, no. <laughs> Side tangent, Jess. When we were in California, um, Kellen and I were at In and Out, and the person sitting next to us, this was his first meal out of jail. Oh yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh well, I hope you enjoyed it. That's like. I like looked over, they were like, when did you get out? And he's like, this morning. And I was like, wow, good meal. This is what I would have selected too. <laughs> yeah, really, his first meal out. Huh? Can't blame him. Oh. All right, prediction time, Kellen. Do you think the tolerance of individuals will be a consideration when lawmakers and officials are drafting legislation and, re- and regulations? I wish, because at the end of the day, and it's only, in my opinion, I think it's only applicable with that in terms of like DUIs, right? Driving under the influence. And it's tough, right? Because there's a lot of chronic users that have a standard level of THC in their blood that they don't feel high. So someone who's a chronic medical user who smokes every single day, they're going to wake up the next morning and go drive They're and they're going to be sober mentally, right? But they're going to have above the 10, I think it was maybe it's like 10 nanograms per milliliter of THC in their blood at any given time because they're a chronic smoker and it's always at that level in their blood, right? So if they were to just get randomly pulled over and stopped and the officer just decided that he was having a bad day, then literally he would get a DUI even though he hadn't consumed since the night before. I think that that's the really hard aspect, but then, then, then the other option is you make a custom number for every single person on the planet. And it's like, okay, let me go look up Billy's thing. Like you just, that's just, that, that's not how it works. Right? Like we're all created equal. We all got to play by the same rules, unfortunately. So like, I wish they were to take that into consideration, but they're not going to, right? Like there's people who swear that they can drive after three or four beers, right? Or they feel fine. And there's people that have one beer and they're crawling on the table, dancing with their, pants off you know what I mean it's just like what are you doing man (laughs) so like it's just not taken in consideration unfortunately so do you you think metabolism plays a factor in tolerance I think I mean for sure you know everyone's metabolism is different at body weight right like if I consume two milligrams of THC and it goes into my blood and I'm 150 pounds and a 250 pound guy takes two milligrams of THC. He's got significantly more blood. Yeah. It's going to be significantly more diluted. So it's not going to affect him the same. So that's where it's like, it's, it's tough, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I hope and wish that they would take it into account. I think they'll just make some generalization of, 
you can't have X amount of THC in your, in your blood because that's like what they did with the 0.08 and it doesn't work for everyone. And they've just had to make some sort of standard limit to provide for insurance purposes and legislation and all these other fun and exciting regulations that they put into place. Thanks everyone for joining. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.